Hello and welcome to episode four of History in Reverse, a father-daughter science fiction podcast. My name is Caroline. I'm here with my dad, Richie. Hi. project of reading a science fiction book every few months or so we took the summer off right summer was very busy <laughs> yes um and we're continuing with our theme of reading stories that involve strange aliens so we previously read left hand of darkness solaris and the short story the story of your life by ted chang um and now we have read uh, speaker for the dead by orson scott card which is a great favorite of mine. Um, and, and mine as well. And we've both read before. Yes, right? I've read it several times. This time I listened to the audiobook, so now I learned pronunciation of all the Portuguese names. Oh, good! Because <laughs> I was making it up in my head as I was going. <laughs> this is the second time I read it, and the first time I read it, I was much younger. I read Ender's Game, and then I read this one, and I remembered a lot of details, but I also forgot some very important details about the story, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so before we jump into a summary and discussion, uh, you want to talk a little bit about Orson Scott Card and how right. this book came right. came to exist. Right. Uh, the book I read the introduction to 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 the book, and he kind of tells the story of of how his book came to be. So what happened was back in the early eighties, he wrote a, a short story on novella, short length story called Ender's Game, and that was published. And science fiction magazines, it was well, well received. And I think he won either a Hugo Nebula award for it. Mm -hmm. While that was happening, he had this idea of, of writing a book about person who speaks at funerals. So he says he's gone to some funerals and listened to some, some people talk. And he thought it might be interesting. The idea was that somebody would come and speak the truth about the person. Initially, this was called, called speaker of death. Mm -hmm. And then eventually changed it to speaker for the death. So he tried to work on this book, and it just didn't seem to go anywhere. Now, while he was um, doing all this stuff, he was at, he says at one time he was talking to a friend of his who offered to write a, a sequel to Ender's Game, where Ender went back to Earth. Uh, Arson Scott Card did not like that idea at all. So he kind of, something clicked in his brain, and he said, well, maybe Speaker for the Dead could be mm -hmm. the sequel to Ender. Ender's Game, right? And remember, at the time, Ender's Game was just a, a short, short work. Mm -hmm. So he wrote an outline, a proposal to publish, a publisher gave him an okay, and he started working on it. And then he realized that as he was writing it, there was so much background material about mm -hmm. Ender that it just didn't seem, the book didn't seem to work. So, so kind of on the lark, he asked one of the publishers, says, could I write a book, you know, expand that short work to a book? And that became Ender's Game. The publisher, of course, said, okay. So in that way, uh, Speaker for the Dead became the actual sequel uh, for Ender's Game. Ender's Game, I think, when he, the novel he wrote in several months, once he's done that, he, he did that, he was tried to write Speaker for the Dead yet again. Mm -hmm. And then he had one of his friends read it. Basically, they didn't like it. They said, this, is, this doesn't <laughs> hold together. They made some comments. The comments had to do with the children in the story. He rewrote it again, and eventually, I think things clicked all together, and uh, we have Speaker for the Dead. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I read, as a child, I read Ender's Game, then I read Ender's Shadow, and then I read Speaker for the Dead. And I always loved Ender's Game, like that was always my favorite. On this read-through, I forgot how complicated Speaker for the Dead is. So that's one of the things, it's like when I was, we read these little outlines for ourselves so we kind of talk about something that makes sense on this podcast. And I was trying to list like themes, and I have like six or seven themes alone, and then we have all these things about structure and aliens, it's like, there's just like a lot to get through, and there's a lot of characters. One interesting thing I found that Orson Scott's card said recently, he was asked about why Speaker for the Dead hasn't been adapted to a film. because And, and this game, game has been adapted to a film. Yeah. It's actually a relatively good film as, as science fiction movies go. And I actually have not seen the film, so we got to do a movie night so I can <laughs> watch uh, Ender's Game. But Speaker for the Dead hasn't been adapted, and somebody asked him about it. He said that it's uh, an unfilmable book, basically. And what he said was, It consists of talking heads interrupted by moments of excruciating and unwatchable violence. Now I admit there's plenty of unwatchable violence in film, but never attached to my name. Speaker for the Dead, I don't want it to be filmed. I can't imagine it being filmed. And I guess that's why nobody's tried to make a movie out of right. it, because he probably wouldn't sign off on it. But it is a very, it's a surprisingly complex story. And so I guess we just kind of start from the beginning and just deal with the complexities <laughs> as we go, because I don't know where else to start. <laughs> right, so the interesting thing about it is it, the universe that the story is set in is is this... this Hundred worlds. There's like a star congress that mm. is like the body giving laws, kind of. And they had the ansible, which is the same communications means that was used in Left Hand of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And we have to find out who who came first. Who copied who? Yeah. I, I I suspect it was he copied from or so like when, or maybe this is just something that that is became like a device in many many mm-hmm. stories. So we should talk about Ender or Andrew oh. Wiggin as he's known. Should we start with An- with Andrew, or should we start with Lusitania? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Right, I guess, yeah. Let's start, let's start with Lusitania. Okay. So, we are several thousand years out from the story, the ending of Ender's Game. And About 3,000 years. Yeah. Right. And humans have made all these colonies um, on the, these planets and stuff. And Lusitania is a Catholic colony? It's a, a Catholic licensed colony. Yeah. So... What they seem to say is that throughout the spread of humans to the hundred worlds, they never encountered another species that appeared intelligent. Right. Until Lusitania. Right. Exactly. So, and the, you know, the last species being the buggers, which, which we'll get to which when we talk to Ender. Yeah. And the <laughs> um, previous game. Yeah. yeah. So Lusitania has these um, creatures that are described as sort of looking like pigs. Right. Um, but being able to speak, being able to use tools, um, some of them walk upright, like that kind of thing. And they call they refer to them as the um, pequeninos, right. which is like piggies, um, because of the human's history with the last sentient species, the former species, the buggers. Humans are very hesitant to have contact with the piggies. There's sort of like a cultural stain on right. interacting And the with contact aliens. is super, super regulated. Right. So there's only one or two people who are allowed to actually go out. Mm-hmm. You know, So the colony on Lusitania is, is fenced. Mm-hmm. There's a wall. Yeah. <laughs> they build a wall. And, <laughs> and humans are not allowed to go beyond it except for the... Xenologists? Xenologists, um, right. The Zendors, yeah. 
uh, and usually there's there's um, one like master and an apprentice, so there's mm -hmm. usually no more than two, and have very very strict rules of what they can ask and what they can say, right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't want the technology transfer. This is kind of Star Trek Prime Directive yeah. to the nth, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like trying to study the piggies, but trying not to give away anything, but. I mean, they have to learn each other's languages, for example. Right. So um, piggies uh, happen to be very um, talented in languages, yes, right? Because they yeah. have several languages mm -hmm. among and, themselves. And they pick up... So in, in the humans are speaking a few separate languages. They speak Stark and they speak um, Portuguese. Right, because this is a Catholic colony. Right. Which I, which I, I find very interesting, actually, because um, I think one of the themes that we're dealing with throughout the story is... Uh, like the culture clash between the piggies and the humans or like aliens and humans, right? But then there's also sort of the culture clash with the religion and the language and, and sort of like everything meshing together like that. Um, so the piggies are pretty intelligent. We start with our two first, I think they're called Xenodors, right? Right. So the, the, the important one, the, the, there was a man named Pipo who was the mm -hmm. Xenodor and his son, Libo. Libo. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I guess they talk about there was a plague they called the Descalada, mm -hmm. which which killed a large number of the people who were in the colony, and there were two scientists who figured out how to essentially cure it or, right. or, or not make people die from it. Mm -hmm. However, they themselves died. Right. They were like the last ones who died from from this Descalada, but they left a daughter. Her name mm -hmm. is Novinia, mm -hmm. and she kind of became very isolated from everybody else, you know, because everybody, you know, kind of worshipped the parent, her parents, mm -hmm. and she was kind of... She was very little when they died, too. Right. She was very young. It, how do you say her name? Is it Novinia? Novinia. Oh, there's, oh, there's about Novinia? Oh, interesting. Um, so, so, yes, her parents die, and she ends up going to live with the Xenador people. Right. The, the start, she kind of is, is very um, isolated, kind of... A loner, I guess, you mm -hmm. know, and it's kind of tough because it's a small colony. It's like a small town, basically. Yeah. And she winds up attached to people in Libo, and people is kind of a nice guy, mm -hmm. and he kind of adopts. So lets her do what she wants, and she comes to kind of love him, mm -hmm. as 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 he becomes like a father figure. Yeah, and um, so, and she sort of begins to apprentice as as an adore, and expects to be, you know, doing that and studying the piggies and and things like that. And everything's hunky dory and fine, um, until well, and as they're interacting with the piggies, there are these various events like with Ruder, the, the right. Piggy so, the so the the interesting thing about piggies, right? So, you know, throughout the the book, there's like little excerpts from the Zendador's notes. Yes, yes. Uh, and <clears throat> they said the piggies that they talk to they appear all appear to be male, mm -hmm. which is kind of odd. And they talk about the wives and the fathers. Mm -hmm. And apparently they have several languages, like there's a the father's language, father tongue, yeah, mother and, tongue, and there's yeah. there's a wife's language, mm -hmm. and it's kind of very confusing for the Zenders trying to figure out what they mean. Mm -hmm. And and um, the thing is, so what happens was Novinia wasn't studying to be Zenador; she was going to be a biologist, biologist, Bio biologist, yes, right, right, to right. basically to take position that her parents had, which is the person that kind of studies the plants and animals and trying to figure out how to. You know, grow food, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Uh, one night, she noticed something. She was looking through the notes of her parents on the Descalada, and she understood something about how the stuff sort of worked. And she showed it to people, mm -hmm. and people said, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And he ran out to see mm -hmm. the piggies to talk to them about this this thing that he saw. 
and they had these, I guess, uh, holographic terminals where stuff shown above yeah. them. You know, stuff. So, so she had this simulation that showed him how something works. So he goes to, to, to the piggies. By himself. By himself. And he doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. And who finds him? Both no, no, both Novinia and, and Novinia. So the son and, and Novinia find him. Uh, he's on like a hilltop. And he, they describe it as him being vivisected. Right. That he's got like his chest cavity cut open and all of his organs were um, like taken out and sort of spread around him on the right. ground. And he's on his back. Now, <clears throat> a similar thing happened to a piggy sometime before, a piggy named Ruder. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right when Ruder, Ruder figured out that Lebo was Pipo's son or something. Mm -hmm. And when he figured this out, he got all excited and he like sort of ran away into the woods. And the next time they found Ruder the next morning, similarly... Uh, vivisected, but when Ruder's body was on the ground, there was a tree growing out of the middle. Like, like a, a little tree like, like a sapling kind sapling, of thing. Yeah. So what people and Lebo had decided at that point was Ruder was executed or something, something along for those some lines reason, yeah. for some reason. And the burial rites were, you know, getting executed in this horrible manner and then um, having a tree planted in your corpse. So that's what they understood from this. So then you know, this happens to Pipo, and he's vivisected in this way, but there's no tree. Right. And the lack of a tree, is, and the fact that he's totally dead, uh, you know, is bad. And they take this as a sign of hostility. Right. So now what happened to Novinia when this occurred, she realized that the thing that she showed to Pipo somehow got him killed. She had no idea what exactly it was. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of hid it. Yeah, she deleted all her files. <laughs> oh, she, well, she didn't delete all her files, but she kind of put them behind some protection that nobody else could get to it. Right, and then we, and then the patriarchy comes in and is a big part of the story because the... <laughs> well, wait, so... <laughs> we can talk about that later, right? So basically, she loved people, so she was like, she lost another father yet again. Yeah. And she was also in love with um, Libo, the Lebo. son, who yeah. clearly, you know, in the beginning, you see, like, clearly that's a going to be a, a they're going to be an item and, yeah and get married and stuff and that's where the the patriarchy comes in right and then the patriarchy comes in and ruins everything because basically Novinia doesn't want Lebo to find out whatever it was people found out because then Lebo will die too right that's right. her thought process and she can hide her files and lock them down from everybody but as soon as she gets married her husband will have automatic access to all of her files by well, law. it works both ways, right? The wife would have access to all the, the husband's files as well. Right. And it's both are stupid. <laughs> and it's like, it was necessary for the plot for that that to be a thing. Right. But it's sort of, I don't know, I find, I find it weird in a, in a world that's supposed to be well, it's, it's, 3,000 years later. It's Catholic, right? So it's, it's... Is that in the Bible? You get access to all of your wife's files when she's Yeah, I'm sure married. it is, yeah. Um, <laughs> So let's bring in the speaker for the dead. So what happens at the end of Ender's Game and maybe in the beginning of the of this book, they talk about the office of the speaker for the dead. Yeah. So this is something that that was started after the buggers with that, where Ender or Andrew Wigan wrote the wrote a book about the the Hive, the Hive Queen. Queen. So yeah. it's called Hive Queen and the Hegemon or mm -hmm. Hegemon. I think it's Hegemon. Hegemon. I don't know. Which was kind of like the the next Bible kind of a thing, mm -hmm. uh, 
and kind of explained an alien species to humans, mm-hmm. right? And and became kind of a big uh, underground hit mm-hmm. with everyone. And so now this is three thousand years in the future. And part of the the book was the kind of suggested the 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 office of a speaker for the dead, which is somebody who comes when some when the person dies, and he or she basically tells the truth about the, the person's life. Right. They do like a little investigation and kind of get to know what's And up. it's like, it's not, not, not to make it <coughs> pretty or, or, or make it bad. It just basically say this person lived and this is stuff what happened. Mm. So Novinia at the time of People's Death is really upset and he sent, she sends out a call for Speaker for the Dead to right. come and speak death of people. Right. And now the thing about it is there aren't like tons of speakers for the dead or anything and there's certainly not one on Lusitania so one would have to come to the planet. Right. So this is an, an, an a hundred words Worlds, and what was the closest? What was the word closest one? Trondine. Trondine. So yeah. that was a planet that was the closest to Lusitania. It was thirty light years away, which means that any ship traveling from there would take thirty years. Of I think local. it was tw- wasn't it twenty two years? Oh, something. It was like it was, that. It was, it was a good amount of time. Yeah, it was it was fairly long time. Yeah. And that's where a speaker was. Right. So she made a call, and now we move on to uh, Tron time where. Uh, Andrew Wigan is who is the speaker for the dead, and his uh, sister Valentine mm-hmm. have been living for a while. Yeah, and Trondine is this like uh, Norse kind of a planet, yeah. lots of fjords and yeah, and ice and water, like a lot of ice. going into the ocean and hunting stuff and that kind of thing. So he, but the reason he Andrew can get this message is because of the Ansible, which is like instant communication. So that's right. That provides like a network of communication between all the hundred worlds, mm-hmm. and this is kind of what happened and and left in the darkness too. Right? right. So what happens is we sort of at that point get Andrew Wigan, who was Ender, um, who was the person that. Uh, so he he's known to everybody as Andrew Wigan, and only his sister Lee knows he's Ender as well. Yeah. Right? At, at this and point. And so yeah. and the reason they're alive three thousand years later is has to do with these uh, travel travel uh, faster. <laughs> Travel close to the speed of light, basically the time slows down for the traveler. So as you hop, make hops from one place to another, if you go from uh, Tron time to Lusitania, and that takes your, your subjective time on the ship, ship takes about five days. Right. But in, in time on the planet, it's, you know, 20 some odd years. Right, exactly. So, and I th- I found that fascinating that he he took advantage of the time relativity thing because it like totally blows my mind that, that time is like that. So basically what we learn is that Andrew and Valentine have been uh, hopping around from planet to planet all this time. Like, he's been speaking some deaths. She's been uh, writing these um, really famous, like, histories and stuff. Of yeah, I, I have some comments about all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, but on Trondheim, she's finally gotten married and she's, like, super pregnant at the time. Right. So, you know, Andrew knows... He's gonna go. He decides to go when he gets the call from Novinia. So he see he's Novinia, and he kind of uh, instantly falls in love with her. Yeah, which is kind of weird because she was like kind of young at the time, I think. Um, but there's a great line. He he sort of sees himself in her. Ah, so he so Ender sees Novinia's picture in her call, and he recognizes the pain she feels in feeling guilty, basically, because Ender's been struggling his whole life. With the fact that he feels really guilty about killing all of the buggers. Right. Even though, you know, it's sort of explainable. It wasn't really his fault. You know, he has that guilt. 
So he sees her and he says, um, for he loved her as you can only love someone who is an echo of yourself at your time of deepest sorrow. Mm. Pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> There's some really great lines in here. I forgot how well written this was. Mm. But basically, so he, he connects with her immediately because he sees in her a reflection of himself. She's like 15 or something at the time. I thought she was younger than Maybe that, but younger, yeah. yeah, because she she took the examination as the youngest. Ever. Right, right, and she, and then the because then it works out because when the twenty some odd years pass and he shows up, guess who's about the same age as him? Right. Ah, who would have thunk it? <laughs> That's convenient. That's convenient. Yeah. So he he accepts the call, and he leaves uh, Trondheim, and uh, we get a little side story about Valentine. Right, so the the thing about Valentine, so this is this is kind of whole big subplot, and then this game, mm-hmm. and has to do with uh, Valentine and Peter, who's who's the evil the he- brother, the hegemon. So what happens, and in this game, Valentine and Peter keep writing these essays that are published on the networks. You know, they have a yeah. blog basically. The internet. One is called the Mustanies, and the other one is called Locke, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like Fox and MSNBC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was so one of the things that the Mastonese was writing, i.e. Valentine, is about trying to how what to go how to understand aliens and mm-hmm. and she came up with this hierarchy of of strangeness and it's expressed in this um, I have a list here uh, and it's I think those are like Norse words also like Swedish or Norway or something mm-hmm. uh, so basically there's some this is the hierarchy there's Utlanding that's a Otherlanded, so it's like another per- it's person, it's a human that's from another country, another world. Framling, which is a stranger we recognize as a human, but is of another world. Raman, which is stranger that we recognize as human, but is another species. And Valeries, a true alien, which includes all the animals with whom conversation, no conversation is possible. There's something called Jur, which is Dari Beast, which never comes up. But basically, so I think at the time of the Bugawars, Demosthenes, i.e. Valentine, was arguing that the Bugas were not Valeries, but Raman. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's actually, that's the question that, that they keep asking, are, are the pigs Valeries or right. are they Raman? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that, and that sort of <clears throat> frames the whole story because that keeps coming up in right. terms of how do how do we deal with the piggies? How, how should we be thinking about them? Right. You know, they're clearly showing right. intelligence, but... You know what what category do they fall into and valentine's side story after edgar leaves is basically she has a bunch of kids and then at some point one of valentine's students figures out one of the students suspects that that uh, andrew is ender and that she's demosthenes right no i think the student figures out that she's demosthenes but then she reveals that andrew is ender because the student does like the math in terms of them yeah, the student because it really wouldn't be that hard to figure out like because but basically demosthenes writes a new essay every world she goes to so you just kind of well have to, i think she she <laughs> she says when she got to tron time and got married she kind of stopped doing that yeah exactly and then he come demosthenes comes back at the end of the book for yeah various reasons. okay so uh so ender leaves Trondheim and he takes his week to get to uh, Lusitania, which is 20-some-odd years in Lusitania time. By the time he gets there, he finds out that Novinia can't... Well, so so what what happens is when he gets there, finds that there are a couple extra calls from speaker for the right, day. Right, right. So Novinia cancels her call. But then two of Novinia's children... Well, so, so let's talk about Novinia. So did she marry uh, Libo? 
No, no. And actually, one of the deaths that uh, Ender is called to to speak is the death of Lebo. So Lebo dies four years prior. Well, to so Ender's you're jumping ahead a little. <laughs> bit. So what happened to Navinia? Right. She uh, apparently there was a boy in school who like everybody despised. Mm-hmm. He had some kind of genetic thing where he got very big. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Marcao. Marcao, yeah. Marcos. Marcos. Yeah. So he was very big and he was kind of a bully. Oh, he was, and he was bullied by children. And there was one time when Novinia kind of stood up for him. Mm-hmm. Just because that was, she was this kind of, you know, goth kid on the side that, 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 that would just do the opposite of everything. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I like the description of her as the goth kid. <laughs> it's accurate. And he noticed it and he remembered it. And right. he kind of loved her since then. Right. Yeah. So she marries him mm-hmm. instead of Libo. Right. Which seems kind of odd. Well, well, we, well it, we, know. We, we know why, because the, the reason she does that is because she doesn't want Lebo to see the files. Right, exactly. That she, that she thinks would lead to his death. Right. So um, she becomes biologist and she has a bunch of children with him, but it's, it's well, she has a bunch of children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little sticky in there with whose kids those are. Uh, yeah, so she becomes biologist. She starts studying... The plants and the crops and right. Stuff. She basically and, does what her parents used to do, which right. but she's rather than she she's not studying the scolata. She doesn't want to talk about that. She's right. just doing like, you know, you're boring. You know, how to grow wheat you know, yeah, in this exactly. place and stuff. Yeah, she loves her plants. There was a great little passage where she's like, they're they're and, awesome and they grow and they're they're sweet. <laughs> really into plants. And and her, her husband Marcos, Marcao, he becomes very kind of as as they marriage progresses he becomes kind of drunkard and, and kind of a violent person right. and so mark Marcao has that's how they say it in the recording Marcao, Marcao. yeah um Marcao has this interesting disease um that is a genetic defect that it, it like replaces slowly replaces all of his organs with fatty tissue something like that, something like that. yeah and uh, so he ultimately like drops dead in, in a bar right. because of that right and one of his children calls for the speaker for the dead. Right. Who are the kids that... Okay, so there are six kids. I wrote down their names. Right. I think this is an age order. Miro, right. Ella, Quim, Olhado, Quara, and Grego. Right. So Miro is the one that so, is well, we with still, the piggies. Right. So we still have to get back to, to Fibo. Uh, Libo, I mean. Libo, yeah. And, and his death. Right. right. So Libo dies four years prior to Ender's arrival. The same way his father the died. The same way his father died. He gets vivisected on the hill. Right. And and it sort of causes another outcry. Because when the first xenobiologist was, was right. killed, there was a big outcry. Because it was like, oh no, the, you know, the piggies are killing us. And now there's another one. His son is happening again. And you know the information about it goes out on, over the Ansible to the 100 worlds. And right, sort of and they reaction. close the gate basically so nobody can go out. Right, right. yeah. And uh, they're trying to cut off contact. So... In, in the time Ender was traveling, Novena cancels her call for the speaker. Then one of the kids puts, I think Miro puts in the call for Lebo's, the speaker for Lebo's death? No, I, think, I thought it was Ella. Was it Ella? I think it was Ella for, for Marcao. So, may, no, yeah, may, who puts it in for Lebo? One of his children, Wanda. Oh, it was Wanda? I thought it was Miro that put it in. Maybe Miro, yeah. So, well, somebody puts in a call for somebody to come speak Lebo's death. And then... Uh, one of the kids puts in the call. I think Ella puts in the call for uh, Marcao's death. Death. 
Um, the thing being, the point being that they thought it was going to be like way longer before right. the speaker Right, so they make a call up. and he shows up like next right. week. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really awkward because normally, you know, the speaker's coming in later and the person's been dead for a long time and people are more maybe more willing to talk about it, that kind of thing. But he's like, and you're sliding in right on the heels of Marcano dying. And it's like all still very raw, the, the way the family was and everything right. like that. So, once Ender gets there, he starts his investigation into... He starts with Makao's death. So, he's there for three deaths. Does he do the one for... Right. So, no, I I was wrong about when the contact is cut off. So, what happens is is Miro, who was apprenticed to to Libo, becomes the new Xenador. Right. And he and Wanda kind of uh, are the two who go out to talk to the piggies. Right. But they're breaking the rules anyway when they talk to the piggies. So... They're breaking a lot of rules. <laughs> right. When, when, when you have a piggy named Arrow, you know something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit. Let's get the... Let's get the, 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 the initial investigation. Right. right. So Ender starts, he basically just goes to the house, to Novena's, Novena's house, and uh, starts, like, meets the kids. Right. And befriends them because he's awesome and everybody wants to Well, right. So th- this is like one of the scenes that I kind of like because I like these kind of melodramatic thingies mm-hmm. where, you know, Gregor, who was the little kid, who, despite his father being really like a mean guy, he still loved him and yeah. he missed him terribly. Mm-hmm. And, and he expressed it by just being mean to everybody else. He was yeah. just like his father. Yep. You know, and uh, his father. Yeah. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so when he uh, Ender shows up at the house, he attacks him like with a knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He has a knife taped to his leg or something. Right? Yeah, some yeah. ridiculous thing. This is, you think, like a five or six year old, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a little. Uh, so Ender kind of disarms him and puts him on his. It kind of holds him very hard yeah. on his while he's sitting and talking to the kids. Mm-hmm. And of course, the kid Gregor can't do anything else, so he just pees. Yeah. Uh, through his pants on on and Ender, Ender of course just ignores him. And, yeah. So he kind of wins him, wins him over, and in, in anyway, so. Yeah, and the and the kids are like, you know, suspicious of the speaker at first. So well, everybody's like, suspicious, right. right? Because it's a Catholic colony, and the speaker is kind of a, an atheist yeah, slash like a, yeah, uh, kind of hippy dippy kind of thing. It's like it's not. It's like it's being the speaker is not quite a religious position. Right, it's definitely not a religious position. Right, but it's not. Like, it's like a different. It's not like it's like Catholic and Protestant or something like that, right? It's it's like. It's almost like a void of religion in a way. It's very threatening right. to, like the the priests and things like that, and like the people that are living in this sort of Catholic society. Right, and right. So I one of the first things that that Ender does, or Andrew Wigan, as he's known, nobody knows he's Ender. Mm-hmm. He goes talk to the doctor, right. and the doctor that explains to him how Markawa died. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that his degenerative disease that does some bad things to him. One of the things he said, this is something that he's had since he was a child. Right. And one of the things this makes uh, makes him infertile. Right. Because he can't have any children. Right. But the doctor says, you know, but, you know, he's got six kids, so he must have just had, like, a different version of the disease or something. And, like, explains it away. And Andrew's kind of like, well, that's mighty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, he would have been infertile. And then so I think also in the conversation with the doctor, it's revealed that because the doctor sort of like it's so unfortunate that this happened. You know, Novenia didn't know he had this genetic disorder, but she she could have known 
because her parents did genetic scans of everybody when they were uh, curing the Descalada. Oh, that's right. And, and she has access to all those files. And she would have had access to it. And it's so unfortunate that in her ignorance, she married this man without checking his genetics and knowing that he would have this problem that he would, you know, die from this ultimately and this tragedy of his death would occur. And Ender's like, well, that's interesting. Because <laughs> it, it sort of becomes apparent that uh, those children are not uh, Mark Howe's children. Right. And those children are Lebo's children. Right. And Novenia, I, you know, knew Mark Howe would not be able to. Right. I mean, I think it was kind of, she wanted her cake and eat it too, right? Right, yeah. So she, she didn't want to be married to Libo so she couldn't she wouldn't have to reveal anything to him mm -hmm. but she still wanted to have Libo right <laughs> and Libo was married to it he had a wife yes Brooks, yeah, and Brooksina? I forget but yeah. he had a daughter named Wanda yes he did yes he did uh, so and the, I guess just to explain it now so Libo's daughter is Wanda and Novena's son is Miro and Miro thinking you know, Miro and Wanda are an item Yep, Miro and Wanda are they However, age? however, being a good Catholic, they have not consummated anything. Sure. <laughs> All that alone time in the woods. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they, they were seeing each other. They Were were they engaged? No, or? I don't think they were engaged, but I mean, it was kind pretty, of assumed yeah, that, that it was they like would they be. Yeah, it was like they were going to yeah, get together. And um, that's a problem. <laughs> because they're, <laughs> they're half-siblings. And they don't know that until later, but... So yeah, Andrew's doing this investigation. I think he, he basically he talks to Lavinia, he talks mm -hmm. to the kids. I think like Ella, I think, speaks to him on the side mm -hmm. about some of the stuff that's gone on. So that's yeah. how he figures out the thing about uh, Libo. Mm -hmm. I think Quinn is the one who's like super, super religious. Mm -hmm. And he, he, what does he call him? Not he has, does he call him Antichrist or something? No. Um... I know what you're talking about, though. I forgot what he, what he calls him, but he's, like, not about having the speaker. Yeah. Right. And then there's a whole subplot with this whole uh, order, the Children of the Mind. Yes. And which is, like, a monastic order within uh, the church. And, and mm -hmm. actually, he he meets with the people who run it, and he tells them, you know, I spoke the death of the founder of right, this order exactly. a few thousand years ago. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that's one of the... That sort of gets into one of the themes of the the introduction of the, the religions mm -hmm. um, throughout this because there's sort of like the, the presence of Catholicism then the speaker religion thing and it's, then it's more like a Zen Buddhism kind of a thing yeah. there's really no religion right it's a way of life um, and then not even way of life but like the speaker tradition I guess yeah and then the spirituality or the perceived spirituality of the piggies which isn't quite really spirituality. Right, it's, it's funny, we're talking all about all these humans and ignoring the piggies. Right. <laughs> well, there's so much here. And the children of the mind, which is like this new religion, which I, th I thought I liked that because very often in these science fiction books, they just have the old stuff. They never right. come up with some new religion. So this is like a new order, you know, with some history and yeah. stuff, which is kind of cool. I, there's just so, there's so many aspects of the story that blows my mind. Yeah, so, so it's like the... the one of the things about Andrew coming to Lusitania is that the, you know everyone's sort of hostile to him because of this sort of religious issue. It's like and, an outsider kind of poking his... Right, and I think he sort of has some internal monologue about it and like thinking about how they're all expecting him to be like one way and they're not expecting him to know anything about 
they were legit. Well, also, we haven't mentioned Jane. I was just thinking we totally forgot about Jane. <laughs> Do you want to explain who Jane is? So Jane is, is this artificial intelligence entity that came to be amongst the, you know, the, in the Ansible network mm -hmm. among the multiple words, worlds. And she kind of became friends with Ender at the end of Ender's game. Mm -hmm. And he carries a little crystal in his ear that he can talk to her and she can tell him stuff. And of course she has access to anything you want on the computer networks anything at all she's Se a really great plot device secure security <laughs> it, it's like a gin right you know? yeah <laughs> security protocols don't matter she can just get past everything yeah and so she's actually you know the the part of the the whole book is is she's yet another kind of of, of life intelligence mm -hmm. life right uh, but she basically helps him providing information and stuff except at one point she gets a little bit snarky and he turns a thing it turns her off mm. and she kind of says and she goes somewhere else yeah and, and so she has to kind of deal with everything just on his own yeah for a while she, she's fascinating she asks him she wants him to speak no she wants him to write a book on her right so yeah in the beginning she she says that her her one of her goals is to have him write right. a book on her right. uh, and her and like nobody else knows she's there so she revealed she revealed herself to Andrew Wigan, you know, knowing that he was Ender, right. who had commit, who is like the source of the xenocide of the buggers, and uh, because she thought he was the only one who would like understand her as a life form right. and like give her a shot. Right. So and then I mean she's been rolling with him all this time. Right, and the sort of the the idea, the character of Ender, in in these books is is like Hitler to the end. Right, and exactly. Everybody thinks Ender is like the worst person ever. Mm -hmm. Because, and you know who else we didn't talk about yet, uh, which we should is uh, what Ender is carrying around in his little backpack. With right. <laughs> so, uh, I try to remember at the end of at the end of Ender's game, Ender goes to which planet? Did Some he? planet. The there is a he's guided there by the game that he played. Right. Right. This, so the giant. So he he goes to this planet and uh, finds the, the 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 last bugger hive queen right basically and she's not dead she's not dead she's there she's like in a little bundle and she's like you gotta find us a new home to start like this is how you can atone right for... and, and, and she can communicate with him telepathically right. basically so he's been carrying her around in a satchel <laughs> he's been trying, trying to find, to find a, a home for her, so, which is what the reason as the impetus of why he and Valentine were jumping from world to world to world, right. trying to find somewhere where the Hive Queen could restart the, the whole bugger species. And sh the Hive Queen is a big part of why Ender accepts the call going to Lusitania because she says it's perfect. Right. You know, that's that's where we've got to go. That's it. Um, that's going to be where we can we right. can be, and I can be reborn. And. Um, you know, one of the things that I think was interesting about the time relativity is that to Ender, you know, and to the humans, there's this time relativity issue, but it's not to the Hive Queen. Right. The Hive Queen says she's lived every day of these 3,000 years waiting. Right. It's kind of like crazy. Because I think like while, while he's traveling at light speed, he can't communicate with her because the, the telepathy guess, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. Work. So it's, it's kind of bizarre. So then, so... Then on top of all this other stuff that's happening, Ender's wondering if Lusitania is the place where he's going to restore the Hive Queen right. 
and restore the bugger species. So meanwhile, uh, while he's there, he also wants to go talk to the piggies. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe it's Miro and, and Wanda that tell him, you know, one of the, the piggies is the is piggy named Human. human. Mm -hmm. Right, it's there. And, and he's telling him that he's been talking to Ruder. And mm -hmm. Ruder knows that, that the Hive Queen is here. Right. And Ruder was the guy, the, the piggy that was killed Way back in the Way back in the beginning, yeah. and there's a tree where he was planted. Right. Well, he... <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> there's a tree that they that they must have planted in his yeah. body. Right. Uh, so let's go over this. A few piggies. There's Ruder, who was the first one that was eviscerated. There's um, Human. Right. So the piggies t t will take, like, English names, I guess. Yes, yeah, Stark names. Stark or Portuguese names, but, you know, whatever. There's Arrow. Right. Um... There was another one who was like like kind of leaf eater. Leaf eater, right? Man, Mandachuva. Mandachuva, right? Right. Yes. And I don't. I think those are the main ones. So Ruder Ruder d died, uh, and it, there is a tree where he died. Someone else was also. There was another piggy that was eviscerated, or vi vivisected rather, because there were two. Weren't there two growing trees? I thought there were two. And later. Well, okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought there was another one in the in the meantime. Okay, well, so the, so there's Ruder, who is, has been dead for twenty some odd years, right? And there's the tree, and so yeah, so Ender talks to human, and well, so yeah, Ender goes and meets the, I I think Miro uh, takes him to meet the piggies, which is kind of against the rules. Mm. Well, Miro and Wanda have been doing like, against the rules things with the piggies to teach them how to. Right, so churn butter or something, right? Like, well, this this was like a kind of a plot device, right? So, idea was that that the Catholic colony and the bishops and stuff didn't like Ender, and, right? And and considered him an enemy, and Jane suggested, you know, maybe if you have a common or Jane Jane thought that if they have a common enemy enemy, then they'll work together, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so what she did. They had satellites that were observing the planet, mm -hmm. just you know, as standard kind of procedure. And she noticed that there are some areas of the in the plain and in forest where the piggies lived were getting like planted all of right. a sudden. And yeah. all of a sudden, there were more piggies than than in the past. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that Miro and Wanda were kind of doing some technology transfer. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we had a piggy named Arrow, and mm -hmm. and they taught him how to, uh, they, they developed some seeds that could be planted mm -hmm. there, and they could, you know. <laughs> yeah, they were teaching them how to do that. <coughs> have larger population and so on. Which so, was very against the rules. <laughs> which is very against the rules, and but nobody noticed, because this is like a stream of data coming from some planet in some corner. Who cares? Right. So Jane brought it to, to, to attention of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Um, but in between this all, did he speak Marco's Marco's death, right? Yes. So he speaks uh, Marco's death, and uh, I think unfairly reveals the infidelity, and that kind of makes everyone upset. But this sort of gets to one of the big themes in the story, which is the the importance of truth, uh, secrets, right? Because like the piggies keep secrets, the humans keep secrets. They keep secrets from each other. They keep secrets among yeah. themselves, and. Sort of the whole role of the speaker is to come and like uncover it, uncover it, and also make the point that like honesty is the best policy, basically. Truth will set you free. Right, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of like 
Uh, I mean, everyone's okay with it ultimately, but... Well, not really. Like, Mira and Wanda get really upset. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, they're glad they're not uh, accidentally married half-siblings. That's probably a good thing. But um, I know that Lebo's, Lebo's wife gets upset, too. Somewhat, yeah. yeah. And Novenia's upset for a bit, but she ends up being okay with it. Because it's like the truth will set you free. Well, um, because for her, she didn't have to is hide this so much. Right. Is this at the same time when they figure out the the thing she had discovered? When when did they figure out that it was the the thing that that led to the deaths of both people and Lebo? Like when they... No, that, that's that's the very end. They, when they, they... That's after this? Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't remember. I got the timeline confused. Because that's really her absorption of guilt. So that's later. But I wanted to say about the piggies. This thing is sort of going on throughout. And like the way we're talking about it is really from the human's points of, point right. of view. In terms of like, you know, they killed people. They killed Lebo. They killed Ruder. You know, they... This thing with human talking, saying, you know, oh, the Ruder says whatever. Every time the piggies would refer to like some of their trees as people or like with names or saying like, oh, they're saying this or whatever. All of the Zenitors across the generations. Say the totem. Right. They're like totem trees. They're like spiritual and they're worshiping them or whatever. And at no point in time is any thought given to the fact that like they might actually be talking to these trees. And there's a tree language, right? With banging on a tree. And they just say, oh, it's just like, you know, music or something. Right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And so they, they don't, they don't ever think for like a second that maybe and then he drops time. hints about the, the whole biology of the planet because there are a couple of first of all there's very few few species on the right. planet right? right and and both animals and plants so there's the piggies there's the the cows whatever the cab the cabras, cabler, yeah. cabler, all that. so yeah. and there, there seems to be like and this the water snakes mm-hmm. and there seems to be like relation between the particular plant and particular animal like mm-hmm. the water snakes there's like plants that grow by the river mm-hmm. and there's, there's one kind of bird mm-hmm. there's really not much else which is yeah. kind of weird yeah they talk about how there's like really not a lot of life there so yeah so there seems to be then there's like you know the piggies who live in the forest so there's all these trees everywhere shocking <laughs> what about the, the cabras is there something for them yeah there was uh, the plains had like uh, like grasses. oh that grass that has no nutritional value yeah yeah that was one thing about Lusitania is that the there's like all this grass there's all these like the, the crops and things there aren't really useful for humans like the right. milk they the cabra to... milk doesn't oh see that's a connection the cabra milk has no nutritional value for humans and then the grass has no nutritional value for humans oh see discover things as you talk through <laughs> <laughs> there's so many pieces to this i love it it's i, I love stories like this okay so jane rats them out <laughs> Well, so Jane lets him out, and, and of course, at this point, Jane is already not talking to... Uh, to Ender. To Ender. Yeah. Uh, and so the Starways Congress says, oh my God, stop immediately doing mm-hmm. this. We're going to cut you off. Yep. We're going to erase all the colonies' files if you don't follow the, our instructions. Now, they can't just go there because it's like 20 years from the nearest planet. Right. But they can... Uh, so they threaten to erase all the files. And of course, everybody panics. Right, and so basically, what Jane wanted happens, right? They all because right. Starways Congress is th- like threatening them and threatening like evacuation and things like that. Um, everybody on 
Lusitania suddenly becomes best friends. And and this says, look, I can save your files. What did he? I don't remember. There's a, this whole big thing about him copying everybody's files. Yeah. To like his local computer or something. Yeah, yeah. He does something so that they they don't lose all the information. Right. But then don't don't the colonists cut themselves off? No. So what happens is. There was a period where Jane was not talking to him, right, and yeah. then she comes back and right. says, "I'm still here, you know. Don't worry mm -hmm. about it. I can man it. I can keep the connection up, even though it's going to look as you are cut off." Mm -hmm. So, uh, so she kind of saves the day there, mm -hmm. and and he helps them not not uh, get the files deleted. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it was like some crazy thing, but his emails are protected. Yeah, so you just email him all the files. They'll just sit in his email inbox, yes. and nobody's going to delete it. Right, and they had to like go quickly and mail stuff, you know. <laughs> we forgot Miro, Miro on the fence. Well, right. well, that's that's kind of getting to that, yeah. right? So, so here we are, right? So they they kind of getting cut off, mm -hmm. but they're they found out that Miro and Wanda are half half siblings, uh, uh, siblings. So yeah. so they can't really uh, get married, so they're upset, and then they get cut off from the piggies, and 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 Miro just. Says, Forget it. I, I I don't care. Yeah. I want to go see them. So mm -hmm. he climbs over the fence, mm -hmm. and the fence is like electrified or something. So yeah. he gets like really seriously damaged, and mm -hmm. he falls on the other side of the fence, and he's lying there to die. Yeah. And you know everybody freaks out, and uh, they meet the piggies inside the fence, mm -hmm. and it's like, <laughs> how the hell did you get here? <laughs> well, it was implied earlier in the story. It was was hinted at yeah. earlier, right? Yeah. But basically, it turns out there's some grass that they, some of the grass that can chew. They have some some like a, a drug essentially that that kills. They didn't say it stops the pain, but it makes you not care. Yeah. So they they they've been going to the colony all the time. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work as well on real humans, but it does on piggies. Yeah. So I think Jane opens the gate for them so they go can mm -hmm. go and rescue Mira. So he doesn't die, but he's like crippled. He, yeah, he's paralyzed. Yeah. And so then the, the end of finally goes talk to Piggies, and the Piggy mm -hmm. says, "Could you please write a story about us? Yeah, right, like like the robotic queen and the hegemon." And of course, then they go and explain all the other stuff. So they right. he, he they take Ender to meet the wives, mm -hmm. and they finally explain what the trees do. So why don't you explain that part? So the tree thing, it this has to do with like the Descalada and sort of, I I I love the way this story the story works because he Orson Scott Carr like laid all the pieces out for you but until it's sort of put together it's like of course none of it made any sense so what happens is <coughs> the piggies have um three life life stages right and well, all the actual animals on that yeah too. and so it's sort of this I, and this is why I think there might be a metaphor with Marcel and I'll talk about that in a minute but basically they go through these sort of like metamorphosis kind of stages where they as part of their life cycle become different things and so for the piggies for example the they become the trees well they start yeah. as little like little right. worms right. living on a tree yeah then they turn into a, a piggy, a, a piggy. Mm -hmm. and then at the end they get planted mm -hmm. and become a tree now no not all of them get vivisected though right because the, the most of them become brother trees right then the to become a father tree you have to, to get... be like like get some great honor or something right exactly so because the brother trees are just like every everybody kind of has that step it, it, unless 
your deemed to be worthy of becoming a father tree, because then the father trees lead to the reproduction. So right. they like sort of are selecting right, the and they bring to bring the wives to to the, the father yeah. trees. You know. Yeah, yeah. So the so the vivisection thing that we saw in the very beginning with Ruder. So Ruder got to be a father tree because he was smart and figured out that uh, Lebo was Pipo's son. Right. And so when he like was intelligent enough to to figure that out. He got the honor of becoming a father right. tree, right. and so then as a father tree, you know, when he's talking to human, human saying like, "Hey, the tree is talking to me." It was never like a, it's not a spiritual thing. Right, it was an actual. Thing. It, was it was an just... actually communication happening. And they actually talked to the show, so the show ended how they use trees to produce tools and stuff. Mm -hmm. Basically, they ask the tree to transform itself, mm -hmm. you know, into something, and right. the tree has dies at that point. Right, but. It gives them tools and stuff, so that's yeah. how they make things. Do you want to explain like the the wives a little bit more? Because that Ender meets. Uh, the wives are very confusing. So it was. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you to explain it because it confused me. Right. So there were these <laughs> these larger piggies that kind of basically attended the the tree where where the little baby uh, piggies were living, mm -hmm. and they lived inside the tree mm -hmm. until they eventually they come out and then they grow up and then the wives were taking care of them, but. I kind of forgot how exactly was the interaction between the father tree and the wife to impregnate things. I don't know if he tells us exactly. No, it's like... No, it's kind of like, things occur. <laughs> <laughs> there are trees. <laughs> That's not important. Look at how it transforms. So, But the thing is, the, the this kind of cycle of, of from animal to plant occurred in all the species right. on Lusitania. And then they realized that. So we, we forgot to mention that, that one of the things that Wanda and Miro did, they gave the piggies copy of the Hive Queen and the Hegemon. Right, which is one of those things where it's like, if we're trying not to like influence them culturally, well, but, it's just I mean, gave what, them a printout of the book. <laughs> what, what, they, uh, what Miro and, and Wanda did, I think this is ridiculous rules. Yeah. Of course, you know, they're, 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 they're ramen, they're not... Right. Valeries. So the thing about giving them a copy of the High Hive Queen and the Hegemon is that then they've had that copy, for, they've had that book, right. the, the books for a while, and then Ender comes to the planet with the Hive Queen. Right. And like you were saying before, the Hive Queen is communicating telepathically with Ruder, with Ruder, and with the other Father Trees, I think. Right. Probably. And the and part of the Hive Queen realizing that this is like the perfect place for them, or whatever, is the fact that there is that communication. Right. So, which has all kinds of implications for themes again. There's so many themes. So then, sort of the, the climax of the book is, is right. So the, uh, the piggies ask Ender, you know, saying, can you please write the book about piggies? Yeah. You know, like you did for the kind of He says, of course I will. And, and they draw like a contract yeah. or a treaty, I guess, between the two species. Like, like, you know, he says, you can never plant another human, please. Oh, yeah. So they had to explain <laughs> to the piggies. And the piggies were horrified when yeah. they realized they had killed. They were like, oh, we did not mean that. What did they think when a tree didn't grow? Like what? They, so they agree to not do that. And I think wasn't one of the details that like the only reason that people when Lebo got planted was because they refused to plant. Right. So yeah. what happened was to to to, to for, for this treaty to be kind of signed, mm -hmm. they said, well, human is the one who kind of was the leader negotiator. He says, mm -hmm. so now you. He said to to end it. Now you have to plant me so I can become a father tree. Right. What happened to people in Libo is they got in a similar situation and they refused to do it because they didn't understand what it meant. Yeah, they thought they and were they, killing they them. And they thought they were killing them, so they would rather die than be killed. Than kill. killed and, and that's what the piggies did to them. So 
there's this whole scene which probably in the movie would be rather gross yeah <laughs> where where Ender actually goes and plants humans so yeah. they give him instructions how to cut mm-hmm. and stuff and you know they, they chew on this this uh, grass, grass so that they, yeah. they, they feel the pain but they don't care right while this is happening and then he becomes a second tree next to to Ruder, right I think that's the second tree of Saint. Right. And so then there's this contract. And the contract involves the humans, the piggies, and the buggers? Or no, did they not mention the buggers in the contract? I don't remember. I think it's only between humans and piggies. Because yeah. uh, obviously the piggies are aware of the hive yes. queen, and Ender is, but I don't think any other people are. So the the, the thing that I thought, um, getting back to Miro, right, so he, poor Miro, got paralyzed, mm-hmm. which is kind of convenient for Wanda. Well, because it's like, you know, they... Well, now now they really can't be together because he can't walk. Right, right. <laughs> so, one of the things that they wanted to do, though, is, is, you know, they wanted to send somebody to Star Wars Congress to right. kind of argue the case. Mm-hmm. And and Jane reveals herself to Mira. Mm-hmm. And he kind of dumps Ender and, and transfers to, to Mira. Yeah. And, and, of course, Khalees, he and Novina are becoming an item. Yeah. Well, right. that... Shocker. <laughs> right. Which was kind of nice. Who would have thought that? Um, yeah, so so it ends with um, Ender and Novinia sort of being together. The other well, so well, no, the, the larger kind of picture was that Lusitania is in rebellion, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And all of a sudden, on this planet called Trontime, the Mastanese starts writing stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he... So technically, that you know, as far as everybody else is concerned, they cut off from from the rest of the world, mm-hmm. and they're planning to send a, a fleet to you know remove the colony and, mm-hmm. and and stuff. Valentine calls Ender and says, "Listen, I'm coming down." Yeah. <laughs> see you. See you in a few. <laughs> see you in a few. And it's just kind of funny because when he talks to her, she's you know twenty years or thirty years old or whatever, and he's still fairly young. And she says, well, you're going to catch up to me, so because I'll be there in, in a week, my time. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> 20 summer yeah, years, your yeah. time. And basically, they're trying to argue that, you know, piggies are, are safe. And then the descolata is kind of the interesting thing. So it's the disease that, that killed a bunch of people in the beginning mm-hmm. of the colony. And these two biologists came up with a cure. But it turns out that it's not really cured. They just kind of basically they carry the virus and they have immunity or something yeah and if this thing were to spread elsewhere it would be really bad yes so you know the planet kind of probably has to be quarantined and right so that's kind of the one of the issues ender thinks about in the beginning is sort of like where is he finally going to stop like when is he finally right. going to stop jumping from planet to planet he kind of has to now because right. he's been exposed. Well, I think that they give some hints that this this stuff maybe you know if they can study it again because Novinia kind of cut it off totally. Right. Uh, maybe they can figure out a, a better way to deal with it, right? mm-hmm. and so that that people from Lucerne can travel elsewhere. I also kind of wonder if it has implications in terms of the piggies being invaders, right? Because the you know the issue with the buggers was that they spread lots. They were like on multiple worlds, and there was like that threat. Mm-hmm. But if the piggies I mean, I guess if the piggies left to Lusitania, they would bring the Descalada with them. Right. But can they exist outside of Lusitania? I don't know. That's the thing. The thing is that they actually keep asking for spaceships and stuff. Yeah, like they ask for metal. Yeah, they they, they want... Because they're, they're in the colony. <laughs> they're totally in there. I 
think like like in terms of like events, that's pretty much right gets us to the end of it. So yeah. Yeah, I think what happens. Well, Miro's going to go back to the Starry's Congress, so I don't know how they're going to deal with that with the Scalada. Mm. I think it took us like over an hour to to talk. We had, we're just about an hour to oh, talk really? about the facts. Okay, so we'll take like another 20 minutes or so to, to discuss it. Okay, so... Uh, we, we hit a lot of the big points. So, so... Um, well, so yeah, we forgot to mention that in, in the end, kind of, he talks about writing another book called The Life of Human. Right, exactly. Which... Uh, which is then spread by Jane throughout the Hundred Worlds. Right, and he does um, not plant. I mean, he places the Hive Queen on Lusitania, so she's right. able to start um, the buggers again. So you know, we had sort of talked. We've talked about the aliens and what, everything like that throughout. Um, so there's actually, I guess, like four al- like alien kind of things happening here. We have humans, right? Buggers, piggies, and Jane. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's. I think sort of the the theme. Out of, there's a lot, a lot of, we're about to get into a lot of themes. I think sort of the one of the major themes is this interaction amongst the alien species and their understanding and misunderstandings of each other. Right. Right. And the fact that really all of this drama could have been avoided if the original Xenodors just asked. Right. Had, <laughs> had had any kind of like had thought anywhere outside of their own box. Right. Right. Because it was just like oh. Ruder's dead. He must have been executed, and they knew it didn't make sense because throughout throughout the story, everybody's like, they they talk about this person as if he's still around, still around, or they 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 say that this person's bad, but then in another sense, they say he's good. And the way they talk about the wives is very strange, and they they sort of knew that something was amiss, but none of that like suspicion led them to question their like initial core conclusions, which I think is kind of a theme of Ender's Game as well is this needing to be able to really open yourself to understand an alien species. Right. And in, like I said in the introduction to the book, this book, he talks about anthropological science fiction. Which, mm-hmm. And he mentions actually a book that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I have been wondering for a few days if there's a metaphor with the way um, Markow dies and his genetic deformity that's like his because in a, it's sort of similar to the creatures of Lusitania in that his body is transforming into something else. Mm. But I don't know. I haven't been able to parse out anything beyond that. I think it might have just been for, for the story. I think it may be really too much. <laughs> we talked a little bit about religion already. Well, it's kind of interesting setting, like that. It's there was a Catholic church with bishops and 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 stuff. Yeah, it was weird. It, when we get to highlights and lowlights, I have thoughts about it but uh yeah it was it was interesting to to read a a future set science fiction story that had all this religious stuff because like what's like 1984 i can't think of the word i keep thinking descalada that's not dystopia dystopia (laughs) um dystopias often deal with like these social issues and then uh, religion and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing uh because it's sort of like on earth and you have like that kind of scenario already but here we're talking about a colony that's on like another world, three thousand years from from. Ender's right, but game. I mean that that that's yeah. what makes it kind of fun sometimes. Like I hate to mention Lem, but he's got <laughs> oh, a couple yes, of stories where, where, where he uh, mixes up religion with with yeah. some ridiculous science fiction, and, and it's kind of funny. It's interesting. <clears throat> it's... I mean, he Lem tries to be funny. I think uh, Orson Scott Card is a Mormon, so he's. Uh, oh, is he really? Yeah. 
interesting. Uh-huh. So yes, I mean the, and I mean the I th- think one of the questions too would be like what. How do you reconcile religion with like like a reg like a regular sort of serialized religion like Catholicism with like these particular rules and particular beliefs with like interacting with an alien? You know. Well, right. Like where so like how was, that's like, part of the interest. Right? right, and I think it's fascinating, <clears throat> and and the fact that you know the the colonists were quite afraid of the piggies, um, but they were also quite afraid of Ender, right? Well, they were. Afraid of outsiders, right? So that yeah. this is like a essentially a small town, self-contained yeah. on this whole planet, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I liked all that. Well, except there was the, the Children of the Mind, which was like a separate. It mm-hmm. wasn't quite Catholic. It was like its own religion. Yeah. But it was still within. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. I kind of wonder if that that use of the religion sort of grew out of the fact that the humans, the the history of the human interaction with the buggers. And humans having been so afraid of the buggers and everything. And like, while Ender went down in history as like this, you know, Hitler to the 10th degree, there was also still this like, you know, ling- there's like this lingering fear in... Well, the other thing, know. I just I just thought about this as, you know, the fact that there's a Catholic colony on this planet separated from everybody else. This is like the Mormons going to Utah, you know, yeah. to get away from everybody else. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do we have any indication that the Catholicism is not a thing on, the, on Earth anymore? We don't really but get any we indication. Don't, we don't, we don't anything, know. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I mean. They, so we know that the Lusitania colony was settled with a Catholic license, like we're told right. off the bat. Right. So uh, I don't know. It, it, it's sort of like this fear of outsiders kind of thing. It's almost like the the religion is used as a tool to continue that separation. Like we are the Catholic colony. You right. are the speaker for the right. dead. You know, like right. and then you know as almost the as a tool. Right. <laughs> so it's fascinating. Um, so a few interesting sci-fi ideas. Um, we've talked about a few of them. The Ansible being the instant communication. We've seen that. Well, the the Ansible existed elsewhere. Somebody like Jane. Those kinds of mm-hmm. entities appeared in many places. Right. right? Time well, relativity, which is just just physics. Neat. Uh, <laughs> that's that's real. That's not that's not a science fiction idea. It's Never just mind. Science. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I noticed this. I don't know if you remember this. It was sort of a throwaway line. When Ender's traveling from Trondheim to Lusitania, he thinks about how he th- he thinks personally that light speed travel is going to end up being like bad for the universe. That's going to lead to like right. universal global warming or something, you know? Right, right, and right. That's right. How he's like he he has this sort of great image where he's like we won't even know until like it's way too late that we're affecting the universe because what if my light speed travel is killing a star? Well, I won't know the star is dead for millennia right. because of the light and the, the rate the photons are coming at me. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And it didn't go anywhere, like it didn't come up right. again. But I thought it was like like a fascinating concern for Ender to have of everything else going on. He's like, oh, I think the gas mileage on this starship is not going to pan out to be very good. Um, so one of the big themes for a lot of our characters is uh, finding a home and what what is it to be home you know right. that kind of thing so we see it first with Novenia. once her parents right. die she sort of loses her place 
And she kind of loses her place for like the rest of her life in a lot of ways. Well, she loses it, especially after, you know, the parents once, then the people twice, and then she kind of just closes on herself. Right. And then she never really has like the place that she she wants. Maybe she does with Ender, ultimately. You know, so she's sort of searching for a home on the planet and Ender's searching for a home for himself and for the Hive Queen. And of course, the Hive Queen's searching for a home. And... They both lost their homes because of the xenocide. Because, you know, the Hive Queen and her right. people were, like, literally killed. And then Ender couldn't go back to Earth. Right. So, you know, they're both sort of wandering in that way. Valentine found a home for a while on Tron Time right. um, and then left. So I think... Well, I think she was coming with, with her husband, wasn't she? Did she bring Jack? I thought so. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I th- but she might have. She, I don't see why not. But this, I think, I find it, I find it interesting to thinking about like what makes something a home, what makes a planet a home, what makes a, a country, a state, a room a home, right? And like Lusitania is unequivocally the piggies' home, right? They originated yeah. there. Is it also the colonists' home? You know, is it more reasonable that it's the children's home than that it is maybe the original settlers? Does it like what? What exactly is it about? the living situation that makes it a home. Novenia's children were living in an abusive household. So can that ever be a home for them? Could that house with in that abusive environment ever have been a home? And the, I don't know the answer to any of these questions, but I find <laughs> them very interesting. <laughs> I think the point, I guess I think the point, if I was going to put a point on it, that Orson Scott Carter would be trying to make with all, all of these sort of across the board is that you you can find a home ultimately because everybody does none of the characters that are searching are left without some kind of answer i mean the biggest one being the hive queen right who's waited three thousand years um and then another big theme throughout is the is guilt and people's right reactions to guilt that's a big catholic thing isn't guilt yeah yeah it is (laughs) you know what that ties into the religion thing doesn't it but, I mean, we have, because Novenius sort of starts the whole process, the whole thing. Right. Because of her feelings of guilt, so she calls for the speaker. Because she wanted the speaker to help her feel better. And she felt guilty. And her whole life was dictated by the fact that she felt guilty. Right. About Lebo's death. Or Pebo's death. Pebo's death. And, and she also Lebo. wanted to try to stop Lebo from dying. Right. She felt guilty about Lebo's death, too. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. She, he didn't get her files, but he no, figured he didn't, out. No, he didn't. Yeah. He figured something out. Yeah. These people really got to talk to each other before they go out to the piggies. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of characters that are, you know, Venus guilty, Ender feels guilty. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, come on. Ender's, like, dripping. And you talk about golf kids. <laughs> <laughs> you have Novena, you have Novena, and then right next to her is Ender. And the fact that they, they sort of bond over that. Yeah. You know, they sort of relate to each other over that. Like, well, he kind of, you know, she, she's been hiding all this stuff and he just rips it open. Because mm-hmm. truth is, truth sets you free. Right. <laughs> so I mean, I think we hit on all the major themes as we went. I mean, there's tons. So let's more. talk about likes and dislikes. Yeah. So, I think I mentioned before my highlight for everything is um, the clues uh, about the pig. What was actually going on with the piggies? Right. Yeah, um, I, I like that whole idea of, of this this weird life cycle and how humans just don't get it. Yeah. 
Well, I was telling you before we started recording, um, so I read this story when I was younger, and I remembered I almost all the details about the piggies. But I forgot from my first read that the speaker for the dead was Andrew Wiggin. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started reading it, and I'm like, hmm, these guys seem so loud like Ender. <laughs> and then it's like, in like his first chapter, it's revealed. And I'm like, oh, that's, that explains why he seems a lot like Ender. I'd totally forgotten. That's so funny. Totally forgotten it. But be, so I was reading it and knowing, remembering what the piggies, uh, what the actual reveal right. was. Every, almost every interaction with the piggies is like loaded with foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think he did such a good job with that. So that's, that's like throughout. So your favorite is? Well, I like mm-hmm. the, the life cycle of the piggies. I like the melodrama. Yeah. You know, with the the how he got the kids to like him, and mm-hmm. and, and you, know, you you kind of see from the beginning that he and Lavinia are gonna become a couple in the end, but mm-hmm. the, but the road was kind of yeah. I think the scene where he meets the children is. I mean, it's it's, one of the it's, best ones. it's I mean, the, and they actually make fun of it, you know, because she cause using some pop psychology kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> it was cute. I I like that too. Low lights, so least favorite part or thing you didn't like anything in particular jump out at you no maybe it's, it was a little bit too much of stuff and it's like you know jane was a little bit too convenient jane was a great plot device yes <laughs> she was like oh i'm sorry a plot needs to move forward let me step in <laughs> let me i mean literally because like, the the colony would never have united if she hadn't right. revealed them yeah i think there was a little bit of a what do they call that do i do i smock you know? So, Ghost uh, in the Machine. Yeah. Like no, I mean, I, I don't mind uh, that kind of a character. But... Um, I, I mean, I really liked the whole book. I thought some of the writing was phenomenal. No, I've read this book several times. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's great. So, again, I'm nitpicking. This is like the last time we podcasted, I'm nitpicking. I was a little bit thrown, and I and I don't know why, but I was this time reading, I was a little bit thrown off by the fact that Lusitania was a Catholic colony. And... Again, it just, I think I mentioned this before, just sort of was odd to have like a future science fiction story be so heavy with a modern religion. And not that that's not possible, but I think what it is is that I'll, the future science fiction I've been exposed to isn't. You know, Star Trek, there's no like real religion in Star Trek. Usually, but I mean, you know? if you think about present world, the religions that we have around are a couple thousand years old already. Exactly. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, well, 3,000 years ago, we cut, we were starting to do the Christian thing. I think it's fair to say, you know, I... Well, say I mean, you can say people might want to live in an environment, you know, go back to that old religion, you know. Yeah. You know, but would it have worked if it was, uh, you know... Um, I mean, it's not like they did, didn't accept science. Right, exactly. But would it have worked if it was like a Greek Greek mythology colony where everybody, you know, like there I was know. one in Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I complained before about the husband having access to all of Novenia's files, and I guess the reverse of Novenia having access to all his files. I was like, all right, I get it, I get it, but it's it's kind of it was a little. It just struck me as like a little stupid. I was like, "All right, but." Well, that would be a Catholic thing, you know. That they're very peculiar about marriages and stuff. Again, you know that section of the Bible that describes when you get access to your spouse's uh, digital files. <laughs> okay, you know. So, in terms of, how, so when was this published? Uh, nineteen eighty-six. Okay, so it's not that old. 
you've read it a couple times. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it aged well from childhood to now. I, I don't see anything that's like glaringly. Yeah, yeah. It's a little. Um, Some of the way to describe the computers is a little bit, you know, yeah. terminals and and with all the holographic displays. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. It's a little. Uh, it's a little heteronormative. And huh? what I mean by that, <laughs> what I mean by that is that it's very, um, everyone's heterosexual, everyone's going to get married, everyone's going to have children. Well, it's Catholic, I mean. Right, I get that. But, like, there are definitely, there's got to, like, just, like, statistically, there's got to be some gays on this. Well, like, you know, uh, Olhado or some one of those kids. Oh, the children things? I don't know. Quinn, probably. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Quinn was like super religious and super straight, so he probably would become a priest, you know. There you go. <laughs> so that I mean and and because of that structure, a lot of plot points occurred. So like no like there probably wasn't an option for Novinia just not to get married. Because that was an option, right? She and Lebo could have just like been lovers who didn't get married. Not she, right, not in Catholic kind of a thing. So it was better for her to have a, a lifelong affair. Well, at least than, she was sinning, you know. <laughs> so sinning <it> was like, <laughs> well yeah <laughs> if you're gonna make sin you know? right so it's kind of like <laughs> I was like I guess this is fine I don't know so like so that was interesting but I, I get making it a Catholic colony and using that structure to to explore these issues and now I'm wondering if he was in, like again introduction he mentions this book that he read and it had to do with Catholic religion as well oh. it was about a Jesuit priest visiting a planet where Everybody's very moral. There's very strong sense of morality, but mm-hmm. there is no religion, hmm. and he's kind of puzzled by it. And I think uh, that book was mentioned in that science fiction course that we, t- you know, listened to from from great courses. Oh yeah. But well, I wonder if the same thing isn't playing out with the piggies, because we think the whole book that the piggies have spirituality, but they don't. Right? We don't have any actual proof that they have any kind of religion or any kind of spirituality right. whatsoever. Because all the things we thought were spiritual, talking to the trees, talking right. to the ancestors, whatever, are, turned out to just be actually talking to them. Right. So you have a Catholic colony of people, of humans, and then you have this colony of piggies who don't seem to have any kind of religion. Well, I mean, that was another thing. Some of these uh, religious people wanted to go uh, and be missionaries among piggies. Yeah. Remember, like yeah. like the, the children of the mine and, mm. and stuff. Yeah. So I guess if he, I, I want, I'm curious about the book that he read, but cause, because the piggies, I think the ultimate decision, right, is that the piggies are what's the word, ramen, right? That they're not, they're not very beasts, right? So they're not just beasts. That's they're, right. They are ramen. They are like other human humanoids. They're like human, yeah. Except a different species, right? Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. So that's exactly, but that's exactly the conclusion, right? That they they do have. This strong sense of morality. They do have souls. And they do have souls, but they don't have religion. Right. Blowing my mind. <laughs> okay. I think we could talk for the rest of the day. Yes, we could. This is a long one. We'll um, cut it down a bit. Okay. So, what's next? Um, next, The next podcast we're going to do uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, yeah. H.G. Wells. So, yeah. And then we're going to transition to different teams. So, right. H.G. Wells is a good spot to, to use it. Yeah. So what we'll do is we'll read War of the Worlds and um, do the podcast on that. And then may we may or may not do a podcast on all the, the five alien books or maybe just do a slightly longer one next time. I don't know. 
I hope people listen to this one because it's a bit longer. <laughs> this book is great and it's really That's complicated. True. Of course, we gave, gave all the plot things away, so... You know. Oh, we should have told them in the beginning. Spoilers. I'll put it in the notes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But it's alert. assumed, you know, this is... Uh, <laughs> but even if you know the, the plot, it's still fun to read. Yeah, oh, there's tons of stuff that we had to skip over. And it's just... The writing itself is like, so beautiful. I highlighted like 25 things. And they just... It's just absolutely uh, fabulous. I know. I liked it. Did you like it? Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. I think that's it. Uh, so we will see you next, guys next time on History Universe. Take care. I have a thing for the end of the show, mm-hmm. which is on the on the previous one we talked about stereotypical characters, mm-hmm. like the woman was the linguist and the man was the scientist. Mm-hmm. And uh, can I ask you what your major was in college? I was an English major. And what was my major? You were a math major. I was my because the patriarchy dictates <laughs> <laughs> that I, I blame the patriarchy entirely. <laughs>